Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Intercepted. For Acme Packing Company, I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm joined here by Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report, SNY, and PFF. Say what's up to the people, Connor. What's going on, man? Excited to be on with you. I've known you for, for way too long now. <laughs> way too long is a great way to put it. Um, First question, off the rip. They had the guy on Fox Business. He said inflation is so bad, he spent 28 bucks on Taco Bell. I know the PFF boys can rip Taco Bell. Sycamore rips Taco Bell. Renner rips Taco Bell. How are you spending 28 bucks at Taco Bell? Man, confession, I'm not a Taco Bell guy at all. Wow. And it's just, you know what it is, honestly, and maybe people will have, have me for this. It's not big in the tri, like the city, the greater New York City area, because we have so much other quick taco spots that are just amazing. And even when I was in upstate New York, I was just such a burger and fries guy everywhere. So my honest answer is not like I haven't had Taco Bell before. I was absolutely that. I I guess I would honestly have like as many tacos as I could humanly fill and the biggest thing of Baja Blast. Like I don't even drink soda, but I could absolutely crush a Baja Blast if I found myself in Taco Bell. So yeah, man, I don't know how a lot of people could spend that much on Taco Bell in one sitting. There's no way. There's right? no way. The I, reason I, I used to go it was like I was broke as hell, and it would be like sweet four dollars later, and I could eat. Yeah, I I tried to figure out how I would spend twenty eight bucks, and I came up with the Baja Blast freeze because that yep. thing's awesome, and then just like fourteen spicy soft tacos, the little potato ones. Yep, the potato tacos are good. I don't know if people are on the spicy potato I'm all, tacos. I'm all about it. Great. I'm They're all great. about it. Yep. Love them. All right, let's Wait, talk so about. I, I actually <laughs> lied. I need to. I need to get this. Uh, uh, have you ever heard of like the Cantina version of Taco Bell? That's the one with like the booze. Yeah. Okay. So I t- the the reason I only know this is because it's like literally the one in New York City is like a block from the Bleacher Report office. So okay. I, I actually could spend twenty eight dollars very easily at Taco Bell <laughs> Cantina. If they had, like, uh, especially if they had Modelo, uh, then it would be very, very easy. I just want to make that extremely clear. That makes more sense. If booze is involved, that's a game changer. Um, the New York football Jets. What is going – did the Packers catch the worst part of a New York football renaissance? We got the Giants last week. <laughs> they were, they're now 4-1. and one. Now we get the Jets that surprisingly have a winning record, like kind yeah. of out of nowhere. The quarterback went down. I felt like most people would have viewed that as like, all right, there goes the season. Your quarterback goes down. Your, um, you know, first round tackle goes down. We have all sorts of things. Like it seemed like uh, Salah was against the ropes 
like last week when he was saying yeah. like I'm taking down names. I'm taking down names. I'll I'll let you guys remind like I'll remind you guys. Um what what the heck are the New York football jets? It's a great question because they've been a little something different every week, it feels like, and you're right. When you come out of August and you lost your quarterback and Makai Becton again and Fant has been dealing with something since he got to camp and he gets hurt again in the season and he's on IR. You're looking at it, you're like, both our tackles are out. We signed Dwayne Brown and he was out. He's back now. But our quarterback's been out. It just kind of feels like a disaster all over again. And honestly, they were very they were limited with Flacco because his lack of movement and the bad offensive line. Now they did steal that game against the Browns. And I think that kind of ignited a belief in them that they have not had in a really long time. And the other side of it is, to be honest with you, most of their impact players just don't know what it's like to lose all the time. They've drafted Garrett Wilson, uh, Sauce Gardner. They've drafted all these guys that have won so much in high school and college that they get to the Jets and they just they think everything's different and they're playing like everything's different. So you're right. It was interesting to see that kind of emotion and pushback from Salah after a a tough start. It's not like they got embarrassed week after week. It's just, you know, nobody thought that they would get through the AFC North gauntlet. They went two and two. And honestly, it's wild the Steelers game was ever close to any point. They, they just let them hang around in that game for, for uh, undisciplined reasons. The Dolphins, they take Teddy out on the first drop back of the game on the Sauce Gardner Blitz, and they take care of business against Skylar Thompson. But the real story with the Jets is that the offense actually has capable playmakers right now for Zach Wilson, and, and they have quite a variety of playmakers. It's funny, too, that they're like playing the Packers because the Jets built their backfield in a similar way they've, where they've really invested in their dual, their dual running back threat, where they have Michael Carter and Brees Hall, and they use both of them nonstop. So um, the Jets, you know, it's a good start. They still have their flaws and their problems, and going to Lambeau is just teams – don't win when they go to Lambeau. That's why I'm trying to like cool everyone off on uh, <laughs> the the fact that they're rolling now and not being a buzzkill, but just saying, hey, this is still a really really tough game. I think the wide receivers thing is what worries me the most about the Jets. Um, Packers, in terms of their coverage, you know they haven't been playing very well. Um, pressure has been very good. But in terms of the coverage, it's been pretty poor. Their run defense is terrible this year. Here's here's a list of the top wide receivers that they've faced since week one. They played the Chicago Bears. I guess it's Darnell Mooney. Who, like, just barely had a pulse for the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah. Week three, Tampa was out all three of their top wide receivers. So we're talking Russell Gage. The Patriots. You can, all right, Kendrick Bourne. Uh, uh, Devonte Parker and uh, Nelson Aguilar, like pick pick one out of a hat, I guess. The Giants, they were out. I th- what was it? Three guys. They had to call up a guy from their practice squad just so that they could have four active for the game day. It was like Darius Slayton, who they like actively have not been playing. Yep. So, I mean. Russell Gage is the best player that they've seen in the last month, maybe. So, yeah, the the fact that Jet, the Jets have three guys who yeah. would be a candidate for the best guy that the, these Packers have had to cover in the in the past month worries me a whole lot. Um, how are they kind of used as, as like roles? Because 
I remember studying the Jets really because I was studying the Packers, not this preseason, but last preseason when they came in for joint practices. It seemed like they were going to use Corey Davis like how Green Bay used Devontae Adams. And then it got to the regular season. They just never did that. What's kind of like the roles for these wide receivers right now? It's interesting to watch it evolve because they went into week one completely content with being this two tight end team and Corey Davis and Elijah Moore were going to be trotted out on the field. And then when that looked awful in like three series, they're like, wait, we drafted a guy 10th overall and we should play him. And they play him and he looks incredible. So now it's, it is Garrett Wilson's full involvement has just totally changed how they operate. And to be fair to them, they didn't trust their protection, and I still don't think they fully do. ABT plays a different position on the offensive line every week. That's how many injuries they've had. So they're still trying to get that part right, and that explains why they do. They will absolutely commit to 12 personnel, 22. But when they do play the three wide receivers, Elijah Moore plays on the outside a lot, which maybe some people are surprised to hear that for a smaller wide receiver. He's only in the slot around like 20% of the time, or at least last week was. Garrett Wilson plays in the slot a lot. They like keeping him real tight to the formation to just eat teams up in the middle of the field, and he has. And then Corey Davis plays on the outside, and a lot of teams are, especially since Zach has been back, are giving that deep out throw and saying, make it. And because they probably think their rush is going to get home, which plenty of times it does, but when it doesn't, Zach Wilson has a great arm. Like, Zach Wilson's problem is not arm strength. And he hits that deep out to Corey Davis all the time, right along the sideline. So, and Elijah Moore, both of them. Elijah Moore has not been in any way a focal point of this offense. He's out there running 8 million routes on the outside, clearing guys out. I wonder if his lack of involvement comes to an end this week. And they, and all I've seen about the Packers defense is like they are not defending crossers. And I hear Lean that Leading the league in most yards from, for crossers, which is So if, if I know that... Like, Mike LaFleur needs to be sitting there like, man, I got to get Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore working in the middle of the field and just run that until the end. Obviously, they're going to turn around and hand the ball to Brees Hall and Michael Carter 8 million times. So, Corey Davis has been really good in the fourth quarter, especially as this possession receiver that can win over the middle, win a lot on the outside. Garrett Wilson constantly lives over the middle of the field. Elijah Moore has not been involved in terms of target share, but he's out there on the outside running a ton of routes. And Teams really do respect him. That's what I've noticed on film. And they just love to run the football. So that is where their offense is right now, that they will comfortably use all three wide receivers with a sprinkling of Braxton Berrios on a screen, a pitch pass, a reverse, because he has such good speed. But at the end of the day, he's primarily their special teams guy. It's going to be interesting. Like you noted, you know, there's there's two LaFleurs going against each other here, right? Um Mike, Mike is is uh, Matt's younger brother. They joked about it in the pre-practice uh, presser today. You know, Matt said he's more handsome and things of that nature. And then Robert Slaw is, you know, they, they were best men in each other's wedding. Yeah, they're best friends. Yeah. So like when the Packers come to town, like they go out to dinner in the city. Like it's that kind of relationship here. Yeah. And, and that's why they were so comfortable in having joint practices two years ago when they met each other in the preseason and yeah. just wanted to go against each other and stuff. Um, Jeff Ulbrich, let's, let's talk about him a little bit. The defensive coordinator for the jets people on this pod, probably who aren't following the jets too closely. Last thing that they remember of him was 
saying Quinnen Williams was on the bench because he was sucking air. How, how do you guys feel about him? He's he's probably Jets Twitter's number one target. He's in the crosshairs yeah. by Jets Twitter anytime anything goes wrong. And and to be fair, he's struggled. He has struggled. I think that the offense, it's hard to complain about the direction the offense is going in. There's been a lot of times, I, I think the code red with Ulbrich was against the Bengals in week three where Quinnen blew up on the sideline and Quinnen was right. Ulbrich's just sending blitzes into guys' rush lanes. And it's like, you have Quinton Williams and Carl Lawson next to each other. These guys know how to get after the quarterback without additional pressure, just congesting their area. And I think that really frustrated them. And they've kind of flipped more to this four-man classic Robert Sala rush attack that works. Is it great? It's not great. It's good. I, I We got to see the Jets finally play with a lead last week against Miami. And that second half, they demolished the Dolphins' offensive line, which is not very good in pass pro, especially when Armstead left the game. Um, but he left the game on a, 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 a rush rep that Lawson beat him. So... It's very interesting to watch them. On third downs, they will throw cover one at you. They get away from being this cover three quarters team, and they're like, okay, now we're going to get right up in your face and give us your best shot. And I think Ulbrich has the last two games, although against very, very weak quarterback play, been better. But there's just so many times, and this is what I'm watching for this game, where you wonder what they were thinking all week with the game plan they come out with. And this is that makes you nervous going to Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Jones is a guy that really scares me in this game. I think he scares everybody each week. Because Ulbrich just, it feels like what he thought was his best punch out of the gate was actually the least effective way. And we've seen the players react that way at times. So he struggled and... I think we were getting dangerously close to a point where Salah has to get involved because Salah is such a good defensive mind. And I know he's wanted to be the, I let my assistants coach, I'm the head coach, but it was reaching that point. And I think the quarterback schedule softening the last two weeks has, has taken some of the heat off of Ulbrich. But now that test is fully back on in Lambeau. Well, I mean, the good news is for him, Aaron Jones isn't getting any touches. He's getting like 12 touches a game. It's and nice. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been looking good. So he has that that going for him. Um as far as the the pass rush goes. Yeah, cuz you you brought up, you know, they're leaning more on a four man rush. That's kind of, you know, what San Francisco does. I know they changed it a little bit like last year mm-hmm. when they started using more blitzes and playing more man and stuff like that, but traditionally it's like four man rush. It's kind of like the Seahawks, like they they're, they're yep. built around that. That's where Sal's um, roots are. Yep. Carl Lawson How's he been looking? You know, we we lost him and joined practices last year, so it yeah. kind of sucked that we never ended up getting to watch him. And then who else is up there on the front four that can kind of cause problems other than Quentin Williams? Lawson the last two weeks looks like the guy they gave big money to. And and that's awesome. He's coming off a of Achilles. So I think a lot of people were nervous when he was solid this summer, just okay, not great. And then out of the gate the first couple of weeks wasn't really much going on, and you're like, man, is, is he not the same guy? Is he healthy? Or is it just he needs to work his way back in, which Salah was very vocal about in protecting him. Then you watch him the last two weeks, and it's he's unblockable. And, and also, to be fair to Lawson, I think he has learned how to be a very run-responsible player where 
I think the type of player, when he's at his best, he's zero to 100 miles an hour and just go after and kill the quarterback. But he's learning how to not always do that as teams try to run his way. So Lawson's really turned it on. And Quinnen finally having that guy next to him has changed. Quinnen this year looks like the top five pick Quinnen Williams everybody thought he was going to be. And he's never looked like that. He's always been a good player. This year he looks like a borderline great player borderline difference maker the Jets never have difference makers and it feels like this year they have a couple guys that actually are trending that way and then the the cast of characters next to those two household guys are, are playing well John Franklin Myers is their big defensive end so they like him defending the run they can kick him inside on passing downs to rush uh, uh Jermaine Johnson has a bad ankle from last week but he was yeah. playing really good run defense and chipped in two sacks in the first really four games because he got hurt in the beginning of last week. And then they have Jacob Martin and Bryce Huff. They're their smaller NASCAR package speed rushers that they just try to get upfield. They're not there to defend the run. They're not, they're just trying to get upfield any way possible. And they both finally had a really good week last week. So it's a deep group. I am curious if this is a green Bay team that can finally get AJ Dillon going up the middle, because I think you can run up the middle against the jets. If you really commit to it, because the, Quinton Williams is good, but then Sheldon Rankins, he's not this great run stuffer. And the depth guys, they rotate in Solomon Thomas and Nathan Shepard. They're not very good. So, But you have to commit to that. And we just haven't seen a team say, okay, this is what we're going to do the whole time against the Jets. They lose patience with it. And, and once the Jets are allowed to rush with any kind of lead or a tied game, that's when that group looks their best. And the problem with the Packers is they're calling run plays, but it's just like, well, the numbers say pass, so I'm going to pass. Even though defenses are in too high, and that's what the Jets want teams to do. Yeah, I mean they've invested. Yeah, right? they invested a top five pick in Sauce Gardner. They paid DJ Reed a lot of money. Michael Carter is their slot that they like. Jordan Whitehead and Lamarcus Joyner are not a strong point of the team. They're okay. I like Whitehead against the run. The middle of the defense, you can challenge against the Jets, but they want you to try to drop back and, and throw outside the numbers. Yeah, it's interesting to see just kind of how the league is evolving. We're at. Um, Fewest points per game in like 15 yeah, years or strange. something like that. Really, strange. It's just they're taking over. It's too high defenses that are taking over. Teams don't have answers in the passing game. I feel like the answer should be just like full-blown progression football, right? Like in the passing game. Like you go back and watch. I mean, that's one thing that like made Spurrier at Florida was they were just like, okay, we got to figure out how to bomb it against, you know, too high. They're running mills and it's a whole lot of digs and posts and crossers. And teams just don't want to do it. I don't know if they're worried about their offensive line or, or what's going I, on. I think that's just... it when you look at how much the D-line play has been ahead of the offensive line. But mm -hmm. you would wonder, like, one thing the Jets love to do that I'm, I feel like it works for them. Maybe it's just I'm I'm biased of that I when I watched it from, like, this is a good play, like, they love to run tight sets. Like they love the receivers being tight to the formation and, and having two tight ends that the, it's very congested and they could just work the middle of the field where there's naturally going to be not only enough time to protect, but they're, they're not long developing plays. That's what kind of works for them. Yeah. And the Packers have talked about it because obviously there's been a lot of heat on the defensive side playing, playing all these off coverages. They've mentioned, you know, not only, to deal with in the passing game, which like if you're getting bunch sets or tight sets, you know, uh, cut down splits, 
you're going to get pick plays, right? If you're, if you're playing man and someone gets lost, I mean, that's a 50 yard gain on a flat route that gets turned up the sideline. Right. Yep. Um, but not only in the passing game, but in the run game, they have to play with, with kind of like off coverages and stuff too, because they're really worried about like crack blocks and stuff like that. So like a receiver going up to a safety, leaving the corner one-on-one. And like, if the corner thinks he's playing man, he's also going with the wide receiver who's going to block mm. the safety. So it's almost like that guy's Take taking out. two for one. Right. So it's, that has been really giving the Packers a lot of problems. A lot of those like bunch sets and, and just cut down splits and stuff. How has um, Stokes been in year two? Man, so he has, like, pitched a no-hitter three times, but then had some bad plays against the Vikings, not as many as people think, and then this past week just got dominated. Like they're, they're so bizarre against the Giants. Yeah, I mean, they're having uh, Slayton run crossers, and Slayton's getting separation. Yeah, Slayton. That's crazy. He could scoop, but you definitely—that's not the guy. You Stokes want to runs a four-two. I, I was going to say nobody should be running away from Stokes. That was his calling yeah. card. Wow. Yeah, I think the way it's weird because there's plays where like the defense just like isn't getting set fast enough, and like it's pretty clear like they're in man coverage and like a half beat before the ball is snapped, they're still looking at Daniel Jones, right? And then they're getting a cross rain on them. And, I think the team is really mad about like the mental mistakes. Like they LaFleur has really kind of doubled down on the defensive game plan. And he made not excuses, but like worked through examples and said like, Hey, this is why we don't do that. This is why we're doing what we're doing. And basically just said like, we had the right game plan. The execution was crap. So I think they're going to keep trying it again. And we're going to see a lot of too high stuff. Against the Jets, we're going to see light boxes. We're going to see a whole lot of nickel um, and probably not great defensive linemen on the field. We'll talk wow. about the Packers in a little bit. But uh, the defensive line has been an issue. It's crazy because that's what the Jets kind of, I would think, want you to be because they just they love just handing the ball to Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Like they, they are nothing yeah. makes them happier than asking, than keeping the quarterback clean and safe. And um, that'll be really, really interesting to watch in this matchup. Cause a lot of the, some of the Packers problems though are the same as the jets on defense where miscommunication can lead to a, a totally busted yeah. play. And it's something that they have cleaned up. But once again, it's, did they clean it up or are the quarterbacks they're playing really, really bad? We're going to find that out. Yeah. Let's uh. Yeah, we can go ahead and talk about the Packers' defense after the break. Um, Listen to some ads. Stick around. See you guys. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. All right. Packers defense. Yeah, so this is this is this is my biggest issue with the Packers defense. Okay. They have no defensive lineman other than Kenny Clark. And they're they're playing them almost every down. I mean, Jaron Reed, uh Dean Lowry, one of them is on the field. They spent a first round pick on Devontae Wyatt. Yep. He missed last week with a uh quad injury. Um is still on the injury report right now. Probably is going to be able to play their only backup going into the Giants game. They only rostered four defensive linemen was TJ Slayton. And TJ Slayton, I think, is playing better ball than Reed or Lowry. But for whatever reason, they're leaning with the vets here. Um, Seventh-round pick Jonathan Ford hasn't been active for a single game. I mean, if you're not getting activated in a game where you're in a different country and you only have four defensive linemen, you're probably not playing this year. It's been a mess. Um, the Packers, I saw their EPA. Um, this was from, this is actually from Renner. Um, the Packers run defense EPA in too high. It's uh, 0.25 points per play. So that's for reference. Like it's like you call a run play against the Packers running too high. You're getting a quarter of a point, right? You run it four times, you're getting a point essentially. That's a weird thing to say because there's no like point of reference. Here's the point of reference. That's 50% worse than the 30th team in that stat. So it's crazy. It's only the Packers and guess who? The Miami Dolphins, who are this bad at stopping uh, runs with too high. And the Jets are getting them, you know, in in a couple weeks in a row. So I really do think it's a problem. Devondre Campbell is not playing at an all pro level, to say the least. I think. Going into week five, he already had more missed tackles than he had all of last season. Wow. Um, Quay, I think Quay's doing fine in the run game. Um, you know, Kenny's great on the interior. The edges are pretty good. You know, Rashawn Gary is going to give up contain every once in a while, and you just kind of live and die with that a little bit. But it's been a problem, man. And the safeties, you know, Amos had a, a – not a great start to the season, but Darnell Savage is a guy that every year you go into it and you're like, this could be the year he could break out. And it's just, he's never really progressed. And he wasn't ever like a big physical guy either. So putting him in a system where he's kind of having to go downhill and stop the run all the time hasn't been pretty. I just don't, I just don't understand why they do this. And the Jets are definitely just going to hand the ball off and just eat them up. Well, it's funny, when we recorded my Jets pod, Badlands, this week, my co-host, Joe, asked me, he's like, you know, what's the offensive game plan here? And I was like, you just saw it against Miami. Nothing, like nothing, I mean, sure, things change, and things could, you can go into the half and be like, okay, they were ready for us, and we got to change things. But the Jets need to play the same style of football against this Packers defense, because like you said, their deficiencies are very similar to what Miami's are which is going to be rely on Brees Hall, rely on Michael Carter, not only 
just outside zone or or even inside runs, but get them both working in the flats, get them working on the field together. I'm fascinated to see, since it was such a success last week, they had them on the field together for Brees Hall having a huge catch and run on the wheel route, and a lot of people missed that Michael Carter was underneath him. So the defense bit down on Carter, and then they were like, oh, Brees Hall's run past us. And when he caught it, he's a total nightmare with the ball in his hand because he runs 4'3". He's 225 pounds. He dragged somebody for like 15 yards. And that's what the Jets want is they just want those guys to have the ball in space. That's all they care about. So it'll be really interesting to see the Packers. The Packers are going to know that, and I think they're going to really commit to trying to stop that. And you you have to wonder, is this the first game, at least in the second half, that Zach Wilson is going to be challenged to go win the game for the Jets? Because – he did do that in the fourth quarter against the Steelers, no doubt. But besides that quarter, he hasn't been asked to be to play any hero ball, and that's good. That's what you want for your own quarterback. But in Jets land, that's unheard of. Like, they always ask these guys to go be heroes. So it'll be fascinating to watch the chess game of these two units, like, in that regard. Yeah, and it's – if you don't want to have to throw that much against the Packers, you don't really have to. In terms of volume – like we we talked about, you know, they've given up all these yards on crossers and stuff. But in terms of volume, they haven't given up a ton of passing yards this season. And it's because teams aren't really having to throw against them too much and the games are really short and all that stuff. And if you want to run the ball and just like tick the clock and have it just like be a live clock the entire game, you can kind of just do it because the Packers are so bad at stopping the run right now. Um, the one guy I did want to bring up, Elijah Vera Tucker, he was a guy who's interesting. I, I, I'm really rooting for him um, because the narrative around the trade was so dumb. He was, he was a guy who was drafted 14th overall. I thought he was the guy like right at that cutoff of that tier in the 2021 draft where it's like, okay, yeah, like he's like, should be considered like BPA, right. By, by like a tier and the jets traded up for him. Everyone laughs at him and says, oh, you traded multiple picks for a guard. I can't believe you traded multiple picks for a guard. He's a really good football player, and he played really well as a guard last season as a rookie. Now he's having to move to right tackle um, because of all these injuries at, at the tackle position for you guys. Um, you mentioned that already, but like, how how well is Vera Tucker playing at right tackle? So well. So he, he played over a thousand snap, snaps at left guard last year. He starts the first couple games this year at right guard, 221 snaps at right guard. Against the Steelers, he starts at left tackle, plays all 67 snaps at left tackle. And then last week, he, Dwayne Brown comes back, he kicks over to right tackle and plays all 56 snaps at right tackle. Like that's, that's like pretty uncharted territory. And I know you guys have a player in, in Elton Jenkins who's in that uncharted territory too, where he truly can be a really good guard and gets you out of a pinch at tackle, especially when you need him there. And I know he's been there this year. ABT is in my opinion, their best offensive player. And that's like, that's, that's pretty awesome. impressive to say that when you look at Garrett Wilson's been good. Corey Davis has been solid. They have two good running backs. Like, all that's great. But ABT is their, he's their best player because he stitches up whatever hole they have on the offensive line. And they have one every week. Every single week they have a hole on the offensive line. He's just like, cool, I'll go play there. And after he started at left tackle, the media asked him, they're like, you know, what do you think of you've played left guard, right guard, and now left tackle? 
And he's like, I'm looking forward to knocking off center and right tackle off the list. <laughs> and everybody, like, looked at him, and he was, like, kind of serious and kind of smiling. And then the next week he starts at right tackle and did not – I don't think he gave up a pressure at right tackle. So it's – he's kind of a very rare player in today's game that he embraces playing Tetris on the offensive line when so many guys, understandably so, are like, I don't really want to do that. It's a tough transition. He seems to embrace it and – it sounds crazy to say, but like you said, how uh, criticize, highly criticized that trade was made. It was probably Joe Douglas's best draft pick in his tenure in New York. Yeah, I love it. I mean, people I, – I know it all becomes a subjective thing. I mean, I know you've done a ton of draft stuff too, and everyone has their own opinion on draft picks, and, yep. and you always have that whole thing that's going on, but – understanding like where there's teardrops and understanding like why teams are jockeying for positions. Like exactly. if you're missing that, like, okay, for example, the chargers, right? The chargers took uh, their guard in the Zion. draft. Yeah. They, they took their guard in the draft. Look at where the Texans ended up drafting that offensive lineman right after that teardrop. Right. It was like uh, Kyle Hamilton and Jordan Davis and teams were jockeying for position to make sure that they got, you know, the 13th or 14th best players in the draft, then the Texans are left there at, I'm assuming 15. I can't remember exactly what the, yeah, it was 15. I remember this, right? And they take Kenyon Green, who was a guy that, I don't know, I mean, some people had like second round grades on the guy. I, don't I think was many very surprised thought, he went top 20. Yeah, I, I don't think many people expected that. And that stuff matters, man. Like being able to understand like how the draft is going to play out and putting your position, putting yourself in positions to grab the positions that you need is important. So I don't fault them for, for grabbing again, a very good offensive lineman that high people were, people hate it. I, I think some of it's just like the offensive lineman thing too, especially in a trade up sometimes like, Oh, there's no one there. I guess I'll take an offensive lineman is like the fan mindset, but trading multiple picks for an offensive lineman is like you, we could have had someone fun, I guess. It's funny because <laughs> the two picks the Vikings got, and I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm right here, uh, that they got in that trade, they took Wyatt Davis and Kellen Mond, who are already not with the team. Yeah. They, they both got cut. And, like, sure, they could have made better picks, and they'd look at it and be like, it was still a good trade. But the, the two extra picks they got in the trade were total duds instantly. Instantly. Yeah. And the Jets got a guy that a lot of people think could be an all-pro offensive lineman. And that's, like you said, maybe the general very big uh, big picture thought process isn't something that you'll consistently see or agree with year after year. But in specific draft classes and scenarios, it absolutely can be a colossal difference. Yeah. Um, let's flip to the other side of the ball. The Packers offense has been clearly struggling this year. Um, passing game-wise, it's interesting to see Christian Watson take a clear seat as the fourth guy. And at some point, Sammy Watkins is going to come back. Yeah. And Watson might be the fifth guy. That's kind of weird. I mean, they traded two second-round picks for this guy. Um, he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, he dealt with a knee injury in camp because he had, I think it was like his third career knee surgery. Um I think it was just to kind of fix uh, things that had not healed in the past. But it's like Alan Lazard at the goal line, Dobbs and Cobb 
on like RPOs, Cobb on like third downs. That's the passing offense right now. Tunyon um, is back. We've seen a couple games where it's like he's targeted eight times, and then some games it's like we don't even see him. Mercedes Lewis, there's an allegation that the touchdown that he scored on was the first route he's ran this entire season last week in London. Um, That's amazing. The the running backs probably aren't getting enough touches for who they are. It's weird because I think their offensive line is can be really good, but their center, Josh Myers, has been a little bit more up and down than people realize. And then Ellen Jenkins at right tackle has also been a little bit more up and down. I mean, he hasn't – Yeah. last week was easily his best game, but the first month of the season, I mean, it, it was pretty ugly. Um. Royce Newman at right guard is probably still their weakest offensive lineman. I mean, their best combo is probably if they could get Yash uh, Nyman to play right tackle and then kick Elton to right guard. I think that solves a lot of their issues. But Yash right now is rotating in with David Bakhtiari still. And mm. they they make it sound like it's like a surface or weather issue sometimes because, you know, in Tampa, they were rotating. But then they got back to Green Bay and they just let Bakhtiari go all but three snaps in the game. And then they go to London on turf and they're back to rotating. So I think it's like a thing where if they're on turf, they're going to like try to have him on a pitch count. But if they're on grass, they're just going to have him go, I guess. Um, so it's hard to even like, when, when things are so finicky with Bakhtiari, you can't do anything with Nyman. And if you can't do anything with Nyman, you can't start moving Jenkins back to right guard or anything like that. So it's it's been a weird season for the Packers. Man, that yeah, it sounds like they're dealing with. A, it's funny how similar these teams are, minus Aaron Rodgers, you know, being a multi-time MVP, older veteran guy, and Zach Wilson trying to prove that he's the franchise guy. Their problems are so similar across the board. Like the Jets are always just moving pieces on the offensive line to get a unit out there that doesn't just completely sink your offense. And I mean, the jets have had four injuries to tackles this year. They lost Becton for the year. They lost fans on the IR, but should return. Dwayne Brown just came off IR and Max Mitchell, I think just went on IR. So like, it's funny that not funny. It's, it's frustrating, but it's interesting to see how both teams are addressing it, that they're pulling from one strength and having to move somewhere else to just get by. It sounds like Green Bay's doing the same thing. And, you know, you bring up that right side having some struggles. One thing the Jets like to do that – I don't know why they don't do it more. It works for them so often, especially on third downs. They'll overload the left side of their defensive line. They'll, it's the only time that you ever see them actually move Quinnen or Carl Lawson, and they'll rush it from that side, like three guys that are bunched together, like almost mm-hmm. hogging gaps – and leave a, a solo rusher very wide across from them because it's third and long. And they know if the, if the team tries to run the ball through the empty gap, the a gap that they leave on the left side, like it's just too long of a gain needed. So that'll be something very interesting to watch how the Packers protection handles that specific look that the jets love. Yeah. And that's something they run. The Packers run a little bit now too. Um, it's kind of a new uh, thing for them, but I don't know what to call it. Uh, I just I just end up calling it three by one, but yeah, That's, it's it's exactly it's the old it Seahawks. Is. It's the old Seahawks. Yeah, four down stuff on on you. Basically, you have a guy lined up, um, and they change up the personnel. But you have a guy lined up in the A, B, and C gap 
on yes. one side and then just a solo guy on the other. And what it does is it forces uh, the the three by, you know, the three by side, if we're going to call it that, you have to be in slide protection automatically. Oh, yeah. And then it's or like, okay, well, what if I cross the center's face? What does that do to your slide rules? And, you know, you have to play all the games and stuff like that. And you could do all the twists and stunts because with three guys next to each other, it's a whole lot of combinations. It's not just, you know, is the end going first and the t- or the tackle going first? It's now like they can loop the guy in the yep. A gap all the way down to the C gap and stuff like that. So it's a fun package. Um, it's fun to look at how teams mess around with the personnel there too, because the Packers will do it. And the single guy sometimes will be Kenny Clark. And then the other times it's, you know, two defensive tackles and Rashawn Gary on the three by one side. So that stuff's always fun. Um, pretty obvious passing down situations type yeah. of call though. Um, yeah, that's one thing that the Packers are pretty bad at is Jenkins and Newman being able to pass off stunts. And it always worries me Younger whenever guys, teams get into yeah. double threes or they get into funky looks and stuff like that, where it's yeah. like, Oh, they cut down splits. The guys are lined up next to each other. A stunt could be coming. Always makes me a little bit nervous. And sure. Rogers is taking some hits. I've noticed season. that. I mean, he missed he missed practice on Wednesday because of the thumb injury yep. that he got um, from the Hail Mary. He's pretty obviously going to play. Um, he talked about it on McAfee even on Tuesday, but he's taken he's gotten rocked this year that I in a ways that I can't remember him getting rocked under Lafleur before. Yeah, I've noticed it, and that's you know that's what the Jets obviously every team wants to do, but that's what they want to do. I think. I want to say Lawson and JFM alone hit the quarterback combined like eight to ten times last week, and, and that's not counting Bryce Huff pitching in three, Quinnen pitching in a couple. That's what, you know, that's the, in theory, the goal of their defense is to put themselves in advantageous situations to, to do that. The, it all relies, though, on what the offense does in the first half. Let's get into predictions. This game opened at, at seven and a half points. Last week was the first time LeFleur had ever lost straight up after being a touchdown or more favorite um, coach in the Packers. You would assume a bounce back game. Again, I just don't know if the Packers are. This is the worst version of the Packers that, that wow. LeFleur has coached, including his first year here, because the defense is just so discombobulated. And the fact that like Campbell is is regressing. They don't have a defensive lineman other than Kenny Clark. Savage isn't taking the next step. The secondary in general seems like they're just not ready to play on a game-by-game basis. I I am predicting a Packers win because they're coming off of a loss. But this game is closer than people would expect, I think. I'm with you. I, I think Green Bay wins, and I think it's clo- really close. I think I would be... I should never say I'd be shocked, but I'd be very surprised if the Jets don't cover the touchdown line. Like, that would tell mm-hmm. me something weird happened. Because I think both teams are content to run in this game at each other, and I think it's going to work for both teams. Where, you know, when you look at it like that, I, I don't... Why would one team get... It? Now, th- what's going against the Jets, like you said, the Packers are hungry as ever. Like, they don't expect to be 3-2. and two. They're at Lambeau where they don't lose. They are a veteran team in a sense at quarterback that knows how to get them through these situations where the Jets are 
the Jets are learning how to win games. Like, mm-hmm. They still don't know how to win games. They should have clobbered the Steelers, and they let them hang around. The Dolphins were down by two points going into the fourth quarter, and then the Jets clobbered them. So maybe they are trying to learn how to do that. They stole the game from the Browns, and they didn't hang with the Ravens or the Bengals in the second half. So the Jets are still trying to learn how to win games where Aaron Rodgers clearly knows how to do that. Going to Lambeau is a really tough environment. It is interesting Green Bay is playing off of a London week. That's pretty unprecedented that I haven't heard a ton of people talking about yet. But I ultimately think Green Bay just finds a way to get this one done, even if it's not pretty, even if it's not a LOL Jets game and they win by by a field goal or, or four to five points. Yeah, I'm trying to like make sure Packers fans frame this like season right. Cause I think a lot of people still think like championship run, like this is what the, the goals are and stuff. And if they make the playoffs, I'm happy is basically where I'm at. And like, don't lose to McCarthy in a couple weeks. That's what I care about this season. <laughs> like, I, I didn't that, realize that the past month has killed me. It's completely killed me because not only is it like, I mean, they're only three and two, right? Technically, they've gone three and one in their last four games, but they've looked so bad in some of those wins. That's the weird thing, right? It's it's they're not winning the way you expect them to win, I think mm-hmm. is the big thing. And I just nobody can explain how the Giants keep doing this. Like when they got when they played Green Bay, it was like, okay, this is finally going to run its course. Green Bay is going to smack them around. And it yep. looked that way for a little bit. So that that was the one where you're like, what is happening? They beat a really, really good Bucks team. But like you said, the Bucks were, were, were down plenty of people, but you take yeah. care of business. They, it's true. They're just they're in a very weird place right now. The Bucks game too. I mean, the that's part of it is like the defense needed that like come to Jesus moment. Yeah. Because they were getting away with like long drives. Tampa, they had what was it, two fumbles by the wide receivers that yeah, were like right. across the fifty. Which is so it's like, weird, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like they were shutting down the Buccaneers. They weren't shutting down Tom Brady. It was just like, oh, you had two fumbles. I think Green Bay also is looking at, looking at the schedule, and I know every team says they don't do this, but if you're them, you're mm-hmm. looking at it and going, okay, we can get right now against the Jets and Commanders before we go to Buffalo. Like, yeah. you like that cushion of being 5-2 and two going to Buffalo. You yeah. really like that cushion. So I just... I would just be floored if Green Bay doesn't come out fully ready to play despite coming off the London game. That Buffalo game, mentally, I w- I've already lost it. Everybody they, thinks that way going there. Yeah, I mean, how how, how good are they? Uh, they are just the most complete roster in the NFL with an alien quarterback, an elite wide receiver. And watch, they're going to trade they're going to trade for somebody at the deadline. Like they're absolutely going to do it. So, Do you think so? They're going I, for a running back? I saw the rumors of the Tristan McCaffrey stuff that seems to be yeah. very bunk. <laughs> yeah, I don't think McCaffrey or Saquon, but they'll do something that just makes them, sh- like, even if it's a, you know, uh, splitting hairs, getting a little yeah. stronger where you're just like, it's ridiculous. Of course they did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, OBJ is hanging out there. and yeah, hanging out there. Hey, man. The Rams lose a couple more games. I don't know if oh. they're going to be in the OBJ race. So. I was going to say, if he's not ready till mid to end of November, like everyone's saying, why would he go there? They look yeah. awful. They yeah. look awful. So. They're no good. That's one thing that does kind of make me happy is there's not a ton of contenders in the NFC in terms of the high-end guys. Like, I know Dallas's defenses look really good. I, I guess let's see what Dak looks like coming back. That's kind of where I'm at there. Tampa – 
looks good when they're healthy. The Eagles' offensive line is just crazy, and that defense yeah. is flying around. And then Rams, no. Niners, that defense is crazy. But, like, that's it. It's like three teams in the NFC, and then the rest aren't, like, playoff teams, honestly. Yeah. Like, would and, they make the playoffs in the AFC? I don't know. Yeah. Because no. like, when you look at the – maybe, but when you look at the AFC, it's just – like you pencil, you write and ink the Chiefs and Bills because they're so good. Mm-hmm. They're so dang good. The Chargers are going to be a problem. The Bengals are just going to hang around and be a problem. The Dolphins have been good. Like when Tua plays, the Dolphins are really good because Mike McDaniel mm-hmm. is such a good coach. It's one of those things where there's just so many teams that are going to hang around and kind of be a a pain in the butt. And the yeah. Jets are trying to be that team. Like nobody thought that. If the Jets are going to hang around and be a pain in the butt – to the teams trying to sneak in as the last seed. Like that's a new wrinkle in the AFC that nobody saw coming. I saw it was like, uh, if the season ends of today, playoff seeds, the Jets would be the the five. They'd be the yeah. number one seed in the AFC for, for the wild card road teams. So if this they, is a good football team. Don't sleep on it. I know the line is seven and a half, but yeah, they're young. They're they really young. You. They're really young. And I think, that's what Vegas struggles to project the most mm-hmm. is like impact rookies. And they've had two really, really deep draft classes that are on the field. And that's what everyone's like, Oh, wait a minute. Like these guys could play. Plug all your stuff, bud. Oh man. Uh, Stock exchange pod at PFF. I do a Trevor Sycamore. We have a good time covering the draft. I do jets pre and post game for S and Y. And then the fantasy football happy hour show at NBC with Matthew Berry. So it's been a fun season, man, and it's good to have an interesting regular season in Jetsland that I'm not transitioning 100% to draft in, at Halloween. It's a yeah. rare feeling. It's a rare feeling for me right now. When when was the last time that happened for you? Like Sanchez? 2015, the weird Fitz year. Oh yeah. Like the really weird year, and yeah. they lost the last week of the season to not make the playoffs. But like B Marsh went off. It was like it didn't make any sense. So before that, yeah, I was in. I was a senior in high school that first Sanchez. <laughs> like, so this is like this is really new territory. Yeah, adulthood, yeah. good, fo- uh, interesting a, football an team, interesting football team, and like people are excited to talk about them. Like when I got on with you, like that's the conversations they have. They're like, "What is going on?" And I'm like, "Yeah, the deal." Like, it's yeah, fun. it's fun. I love that for you. All right, Thanks. go check out all Carter stuff, guys. Um, keep it keep it tuned to the feed. We'll have recap all that stuff. Uh, after the game check in on uh, the twitter spaces at halftime if you have a chance those are always fun